I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com podcast number 91. Today I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, Daryl Manchalenko. Hey Manny, how's it going, man? I'm going, I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, I, I understand today's broadcast, our podcast is uh, is brought to us by the word switch. Yeah, <laughs> that seems to be the, uh, uh, the, 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 the word toujours. Um, well, you know, I guess in a way, the, I mean, 16 teams and we all start with a clean slate. And uh, Jet fans are hoping that uh, what we witnessed for the last couple of months is more of a mirage and they're going to turn on that magic switch and everything's going to be hunky-dory back in Jetsville and we're going to cruise through the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. But we know that that's uh, wishful thinking and not true. Um, um, it's, it's interesting. Um, I've heard a lot of excuses being made and I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not an expert. I have no idea what goes through these guys' heads. Um, I think there's been a lot of overanalyzing. People want a reason for why they've uh, haven't had the greatest second half, but uh, I mean they missed the division by a point, and uh, we would have liked to have had that banner. But uh, we're basically in the exact position we were last year. We have home ice for the first round, so I mean you got to you know you got to take what's in front of you, and what's in front of us right now is a pretty darn good St. Louis Blues team, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, uh, the St. Louis Blues were 30-15 or 31-15 and 4, I believe, uh, down the, the second half of the, of the season. Here's a team that was basically ready to write off their season, and I, they go on an 11-game winning streak, which the Jets never managed to do. They did last year go on a longer streak, you know. If you want to separate and position yourself, you have to go on that six, seven, eight game streak at some point over the course of the season, and then and then settle into a more, uh, you know, a, a more comfortable uh, six hundred winning percentage along the way. Uh, they just never managed to do that. So kudos to the Blues for for fixing some of their problems, and namely uh, goaltending. Uh, you know, the goaltending became or was and has been an issue for the Blues for some time, and they fixed that. Uh, and, and perhaps that's going to become the issue in this series uh, with the Blues uh, as we go forward. But the Jets have got, you know, they, they've got a huge challenge ahead of them here in this first-round matchup. They're up against a strong, strong team, uh, good goaltending. Um, you know, a guy like Ryan O'Reilly is going to present all kinds of troubles for for the Jets. And this is, you know, if the Jets are going to survive this series, it's because they did turn a switch and they did decide that they were going to be able to play a defense first and, and drive their offense like they did last year off, off of the defense and get it done. That's a tall task for this team, it would seem, this year. They've struggled with it all year. Yeah, that's true. Um, what do you think about this narrative going around town that uh – Paul Maurice is in trouble, and the the microscope is on him. And I mean, I, the microscope is on every coach. It's on every goalie. It's on every superstar going into a series. Everything gets magnified. But all of a sudden, people are you know they're jumping off the bandwagon, and uh, it seems like everything that's going on right now is Maurice's fault. Uh, what do you what do you think about that narrative? There was this there was this little part of me that actually felt awful when when Joel Quenville got hired by the Florida Panthers and you know and 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 that kind of made me wonder why is that i guess 
I, I have become somewhat skeptical of Maurice's ability to get this team up and over that, that extra hump. And, and I don't know why that is. Like, I've tried to understand this team. They've, they failed to play defense. They failed to, to execute. So I don't know if that's because of the lack of maturity by some of the younger players or is this a lack of enforcement and, um, you know, a lack of aggression by the coach to demand that this is the way we need to play to win? This is the way we played last year. So notwithstanding the fact that Maurice has clearly stated in the past, we know his MO is what you see in front of the cameras is not what's going on behind closed doors. So one of two things, he's not doing that anymore. Or they've tuned him out to a, to a degree and not willing to listen to that, you know, that barking, if you will. And, and I think there's a bit of both here. And, and I, because I can't explain how a team that could be so good and understand it with virtually the same group of players, minus a couple of, you know, guys who have been playing on the bottom end. And I, you know... It, it's it's a bit of an ast- an astonishing result for this team. Their inability to close games. This this division title was in the bag. No kidding. Okay, it was in the bag. They had three games in hand at certain points here down the stretch. They were you know and or two or three points up on on the Predators with games in hand, and we were looking you know down the end of the tunnel with bright lights and so you know to balance this maurice conversation maybe we bought into that that stuff and thought it was going to be cruise control but that still comes back to maurice to make sure that they're not in cruise control mode the second part of this is in defense of maurice is that top line defensively was way better last year their five on five analytics was way better and that drives a level of I'm not sure. Uh, there's a level of, well, if they don't do it, why should I do it? And why should I be the one, you know? So I think there is a little bit of skepticism in the room driven by leadership in this scenario. So, you know, I've said it before. Leadership is not just Maurice. It's the leadership group. And I'm not sure that group did a good enough job this year. Well, yeah, you're correct. But I think it was a bunch of little problems that added up into one big sort of festering problem. And part of the problem was um, they got off to that really good lead at the start of the year, and they kind of you know they kind of floated their way through the second half. And I guess it was a luxury they earned. But uh, overall, <laughs> my thoughts on this is that uh, Mark Chipman, Kevin Chevaldeoff, and Paul Maurice have a plan. And they're sticking to the plan 100%. They don't care what the outside influences think. They were all, they're all about the draft and development. I, I'm sure they notice things. Um, I don't know what goes on inside that room. You would have to think that Maurice isn't blind to the fact that uh, the Shifley-Wheeler line shuffled at times. But for the rest of the team, I mean, they spent a good chunk of two and a half to three months, maybe even longer, trying to accommodate Patrick Liney. And when I say accommodate, I don't mean it negatively. Negatively, They were just trying to find a spot. And as it turns out, they missed the playoffs by a point, and I guess they can look back on that. 
Um, I think the fans probably dwelled on that more than the players did, but the Jets have this, uh, there's this narrative out there, Daryl, like about the window of opportunity. This Jets window, people think it's kind of now. Well, it is in a, in a way, if you want Blake Wheeler and Dustin Bufflin and Brian Little at their best, um, the window kind of is now. But the window for the young guys, like the, the Kyle Connors, the Eagles, Liney, uh, Shifley, the rest of them, they're not even at their window yet. So it all depends what that window is. I think the Jets brass and as an organization... They don't. They don't look at this window as a two to year, th- two to three year thing. They look at it as a four to five year thing, long term development, long term success. So, unfortunately for Buff and uh, and and Wheeler, you know, when this team is you know a championship caliber team every year, they might be out of the picture or be bit players in it. So, um, it's all about the perception and the narrative that's out there. I don't. I've never heard the Jets say our window is now. Have you? They would never say that, even if it was now. Uh, so, so I, 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 I don't think that you're going to see the Jets brass put undue pressure on on their team, and they continue to to talk the same talk. So, you know, to their credit, you know, I think they're they're more interested in the process as opposed to the results, and they know if they do certain things that it'll garner the results given the talent level they have, but. You know, as you mentioned, Line A, and that's a you know an interesting question, you know, or an interesting sort of uh, reality of this team. Do you think they've got a couple of personalities, and and one Line A, and I think Roslovic is another that maybe didn't have in the behind, you know, and I, and I hesitate to say this because I don't want to create something that. We have no clue is there. But you just look at body language on the ice, and it, and it gives you a sense of, of what could be going on. You look at Roslovic's inconsistency this year. Like it, was, it was actually quite of a disappointing season. You know, His last game, he showed some grit and the willingness to skate and do those things, but he doesn't do it on a regular basis, and that's why he gets parked in the bench uh, for as much as he does. Does he have talent? Absolutely. Okay. But he's got to get out there and go get it done, right? And do it on a regular basis to earn that spot and and get to the point that obviously Wheeler and Shifley are at where, you know, they've got a bit of Teflon on them now and they don't there's not they're not much up for scrutiny. And Liney's going back and forth. And you know, I'm I'm disappointed that with the line juggling that's happened in the last couple of games, that line he's found himself back with little, because I don't think that's going to work. And it's proven that it's not going to work. So line is probably sitting there going, okay, so now I'm back playing with little. That doesn't work. We didn't have much success. I had more success up there. Uh, there seems to be a bit of a short leash on me playing with Shifley and Wheeler. And Connor finds his way back up there. Etc. Etc. And Roslovic is kind of doing the same little thing down in his corner, but it's more justified on Maurice's side. So I wonder if there's a little bit of influence of these two key guys. You know, one on the top end of the lineup, one on, you know who's kind of pushing to get into the top end of the lineup. That maybe in their eyes, life isn't all that rosy, and and I wonder if that's having some sort of impact. I don't want to dwell on it. 
But it's an interesting – we've spent – you're right. The team has spent so much time trying to get line A going that I wonder if it's created some sort of uncertainty um, in the room. Well, <laughs> looking at Patrick Line, um, how many goalposts does that kid hit? You know, if let's just say as an example, we've heard him uh, clank uh, many times in the last couple of months. If he scores on half of those, just half, he's close to 40 goals again. And what a difference a half an inch can make either way. So I really, I'm still not worried about him. I'm more worried about his psyche and how he gets down on himself and hockey is hard. You know, goal scorers need to score. That's how they validate themselves. But back to Roslovic, I'm okay with whatever, where, where he is in his development because fans, once again, they want to fast track everybody. It takes these guys two, three, four, five years to get to top six. There's nothing wrong with toiling on the bottom six and having some success and having some failure. It's all about the long-term development. I mean, it's because we want it for him. I'm sure he wants it as bad as anybody else. He's going to make mistakes. He's a centerman that's playing wing. He's, I, don't think he's, I don't think he can be a centerman in this league. I think, that's, I think Mason Appleton can. But I'm okay with Rostovic. Let's, you know, let, him, let him put some miles on and get some experience. Uh, I'm. I don't. Uh, I'm not as. And I'm more. T- I'm more talking about Roslovic's attitude. I'm not talking that like, my yeah. perception of of the situation or my sort of comment is is not about the fans getting on him. I think. I think that might be his own psyche that's creating some problem. And 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 I think the psyche of this team, as you know, I tweeted out during the the last few games there. I think the psyche of this team is questionable at best. Well, um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, we're not in the room. We don't get a lot of information coming out of that room. So, of course, what's the national pastime? It's speculation, right? We can speculate all we want. Absolutely. And, and, then, Absolutely. and then, of course, the players-only meeting uh, just lends more to that. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen this in the past. It's usually, generally speaking, when that happens is I think they know that they're going to catch hell from the coach or and management, and it's a desperation move. And um, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of a little bit of dressing room dynamics that aren't working correctly. I mean, we could get into that. And I'm not even going to bother. I have some thoughts on that. Maybe we'll save it for another podcast. But sure, um, you know, basically it's about the switch now, right? Now they're now they got you have twenty guys and they're pulling on the same rope in the same direction. It's playoff time. Um, I'm interested to see how. How Shifley, like, for me, the key guy is Shifley. He was monster last year. Do I expect him to have the same same type of playoff? Maybe not. But let's, in saying that, Patrick Laine had a, after a pretty good regular season, had a very so-so, it was okay. It wasn't a great postseason. Uh, it was okay. But Nikolai Ehlers last year was basically invisible in the playoffs. So anything that he kicks in this year is a bonus, as far as I'm concerned. I think they do have enough overall talent to uh, to work through this and give St. Louis a series. Uh, I think we're giving St. Louis too much credit. Uh, desperate hockey teams play good hockey. I mean, I don't want to, and I, I hate making excuses, but the Jets were home and cool. Do you remember the article that uh, that Paul Friesen wrote in the Winnipeg Sun about how the Jets' schedule was soft and they racked up points early? 
Well, good for them if they would if they you know if they lose those games, we're bitching at them because we we dropped games against teams that weren't in the playoffs. They took care of business. They took advantage of the soft schedule. Went down the home stretch five hundred and look where they are. The same thing as well, Blues. Yeah. Go ahead, there. Go ahead, there. They were they were they were winning the either games they should have won, and they and the teams that were above the playoff line they were struggling there for a while, and then then they went on a run of. Uh, I think it was an eight-game stretch there in February yep. uh, into March where they dominated teams above the playoff. They played eight games against all playoff teams, all tough competition. I think they were 5-2-1 and one in that stretch or something along those lines. They, they played some really good hockey, and you were hoping that that was going to catapult them. And then it was almost like they sort of cooled off after that again, right? Down the stretch, they were playing some tough teams and a chance to close out and win the division and they didn't get it done so i don't i'm the key to this series you know to to bring it back to the playoffs because that's you know let's look forward now the key to these playoffs is balance and uh commitment to play defense you know guys like nikolai ehlers can be huge huge difference makers I know on NHL.com they've got Hayes as a difference maker and they've got Morrissey as a difference maker. I agree on the Morrissey side. Having him come back and jumping right into the fire and, and stabilizing a defensive play, ability to move the puck out of the zone is going to be huge for this team. Um, but, you know, guys like Ehlers, and, and less so Hayes, but a guy like Ehlers uh, in, is, is going to be critical. You know, I... I don't want to put Hayes under undue pressure by saying, yeah, he's the key guy, only because the guy we picked up last year, Stastny, had such a good playoff. So, you know, we're automatically equating, you know, our pickups as being, uh, you know, the difference makers. Well, there's a lot of other players that need to take a step forward here in this playoff. So I totally agree with you. Um, you know, so we need to see some strong performances by Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle yep. Connor. And takes pressure off some of the other guys. You know, we need to see a good uh, performance by uh, Little. You know, we need to see some of these players just absolutely dominate uh, against their matchups. Because if they don't, this series will be over quicker. Yeah. Well, before we get into Josh, you you mentioned Morrissey's coming back. But uh, here's the interesting question. I think I posted it... uh, in my article yesterday, uh, when Josh comes in, who goes out? You know, is it Sherratt? Is it Kulikov? Is it Bolu? Who do you think gets the? Who do you think draws the short straw tomorrow night? I think the short straw will be Bolu, and only because of uh, uh, Maurice's history in terms of uh, these these changes. I I I'd be shocked if it's Kulikov. Uh, they, and some will say Sherratt should be the one to come out, right? Like So any one of those three guys, uh, you know, and I know there's some that say Niku should be in there, and I, I can't help but agree with that. He's, Absolutely, yeah. You know, he should be in one of those two spots. And so, uh, you know, my guess is that it's going to be Beaulieu. I agree with you. Um, I don't think it should be Beaulieu. I think that... <laughs> Maurice has got that loyalty thing again. He likes he likes the Myers Kulikov pair. Um, you know, in you know, in short spurts and in different little sample sizes, they were pretty good. Uh, Kulikov has he has his moments. He's 
very, very, he's inconsistent. He's either kind of like not bad or stinks to join out. But uh, I think, I, yeah, I think Nathan Beaulieu draws the short straw just because of tenure and loyalty. And uh, I would like to see, uh, I would like to see uh, Nathan Beaulieu stay in on the third pairing. But that, I agree, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a, Paul Maurice is just a creature of habit. And uh, sometimes it's uh, it's very frustrating, but uh, the good news. So let me ask you this. Sure. We've seen uh, Beaulieu and Truba paired up ever since Morrissey, uh, you know, got well. Not since he got hurt, but yep. once he got got picked up, it was the natural pairing for those uh, for Maurice. Yep. Um, Truba over the last little bit has stepped up his game. He sure has. And he's you know. He's playing well. He's engaged in both ends of the ice, still susceptible to the gaps, but, you know, like so are a lot of other people. Yep. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Do but, you leave that pairing alone yep. and stick Morrissey with Bufflin? No, I wrote I wrote um, two weeks ago that I would spread the wealth because these defensemen, if they they play so much, you, you have six, and you know, when you have six defensemen, they're pretty much going to, outside of special teams, all have equal ice time. Uh, I'm going, I'm going with Truba Bolu, Sherrod Bufflin, Morrissey Myers. I would like, I would, I, I see. But here's the thing, though, it's never going to happen now. If that was going to happen, that's something they could have experimented with the last three or four games in the year. Can you imagine having every single shift? You have either Truba on the ice. Or you have Buffalo on the ice, or you have Morrissey on the ice. How sweet would that be? Well, there's. It makes good sense, right? And I guess we'll find out in. Uh, you know, they practice today, and uh, we'll we'll get a better sense of that here shortly as to what some of these pairings are going to be uh, looking like. You know, and uh, it's an option for sure. You know, absolutely. And you know, there's there's something about that that. That seems to make some good sense, and in fact, I'm kind of starting to like the sound of that a little bit. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and the only reason why I said uh, Morrissey with uh, with, um, with Truba or with uh, Bufflin is uh, because Bufflin hasn't looked like he's a hundred percent. Like his skating looks like he's he's not as smooth. He's a little choppier, and being away, the rust is still still there. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that said, it's you know here you know it just got posted here a couple seconds ago. The Jets practice has got Morrissey, Truba, Sherrod, Bufflin, and Kulikov, Myers. So the extra is Bolu. And on the forwards forward line, you've got Connor Shifley, Wheeler, Ehlers, Hayes. Perot, Cop Little Line, Lindholm, Lowry, Roslovic, as oh. you're with Tanev and uh, injured and Hendricks as the extra. So that's today's practice. So some interesting line juggling again. Uh, and, uh, you know, food for thought there. Yeah, that's basically the line, well, outside of Josh, that's the lineup from last game. And uh, uh, I kind of like the pair Lindholm. He looked okay on that line. Uh, He's one of those guys you probably take in small doses too, because I know the people in Toronto hated him. But uh, whatever. Um, before we get to Manny's playoff bracket, let's just do our prediction for this series. Then I'll let you take over with the bracket uh, bracket selections. Uh, I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Well, 
I'm I'm very concerned about this series for sure, and and maybe home ice is going to turn out to be exactly that the advantage that the Jets need uh, uh, to win this, and and um, I've got the Jets. You know, I, <laughs> I chuckle because I, it's kind of a backhanded uh, go Jets go here because it the only way the Jets I think win this series is if it's uh, a longer one, and you know. It, it it it'll show that they're getting better and better and better throughout the series and playing because if they play to their capacity you know this this series should be a, a jets victory so i've got the the, the jets winning in seven um and uh let's hope that that uh comes to fruition yeah me too i i, I agree i hope I, I hope you're right um i think josh morrissey coming back is huge it gets everybody in the back end where they should be. I mean, we'll forget about the uh, the Myers cool <laughs> conversation. Uh, maybe their ice time gets reduced a little bit, but uh, I, I just think Josh makes a huge difference to this team. Um, I like our overall depth. I like our team speed. Um, I am a believer that the switch will be flipped. I think that um, they all have something to play for now. The, I mean, keeping in mind, I know the intensity is going to ramp up on our part. We're going to be more intense, but then so are they. And they've been in playoff mode now for two and a half months, so advantage to them there. They're, uh, I still, I mean, to me, uh, Jordan Bennington, he's the X factor. Um, I still like the way, I like the way Heavy closed out the season. He was pretty good, pretty solid. So uh, I'm taking the Jets in six. So, uh well, now let's let's look at the rest of the their brackets, uh, and uh, let's start on the east. Okay. And uh, let's go with the one that is the clearly obvious one because I think uh, I think we need to just get that one out of the way. The Columbus Blue Jackets and Tampa Bay Lightning. I I got Tampa Bay. There's no question about. It. I think Tampa Bay runs the East uh, right through to the to the final and. Uh, this, this is a juggernaut that reminds you, well, of course, they tied for the most wins uh, with the 0-1-0-2 Red Wings, I believe it was. Uh, this team is the, a complete, complete team. I'm going to go Tampa Bay in five if we're going to do that. Uh, you know what? I got Tampa in four. Okay. Okay. Let's go to let's go to the bottom of the bracket now uh, of that of the Eastern Conference Islanders and the Penguins. I have Pitt in seven. Pittsburgh in seven. Pittsburgh in seven. Oh, living the days of old, eh? Yep. <laughs> Listen, this series is is you know this is a interesting series and my and and. I've got the Islanders uh, as well, and I'm going to take the Islanders in six. But I think the Islanders are ready to do what uh, you know. They the coaching has really brought this team around. They're, I think they won the uh, the uh, team goals against uh, award, and I and it, it's not the it's the Jennings Award for for team goals against. Uh, I think the Islanders are going to going to go fairly deep and i've got them in six okay next carolina and the capitals i have washington in six 
This one here, I think, is going to be you know great for Carolina to get in. Um, I think Washington takes this in five. Okay. Toronto, Boston. And I saved this one last on purpose because <laughs> I know there's a lot of Toronto fans here in Winnipeg. And uh, um, this is an interesting one. It kind of resembles, it's kind of ironic that on the bracket that I'm looking at, the Jet series and the Leaf series are kind of straight across from each other. Um, your thoughts? You ready, world? I got the, <laughs> I got the Leafs in six. Oh boy. Thud. Thud. Mike th- drop the show. The <laughs> podcast is over. Manny just fell off his chair. Oh boy. Uh, you know what? I think this is another heartbreak series for the Leafs. Uh, they're not playing well. Boston is Boston. And and there is a huge, huge mental uh, uh, you know, barrier here with the Bruins. Um, they're struggling to play well. The Leafs are Boston is uh, is Boston had a good season once again, uh, and it's gonna and this series is gonna come down to goaltending, and I think uh, I think Boston's gonna get the edge at the end of the day. So I got uh, Boston in six. Okay, are we gonna continue on with the East bracket or go over to the West? How do you want to do? We're, it? Well, we're done the East now, so well, let's go over gonna, to the. Are we gonna let's take go over to the? I'm sorry. Are we going to take it right through to the cup, or just the first round? Well, let's go to the. Okay, let's go to the next. Uh, let's go to the the West first, and okay, uh, then we'll we'll sure. go from there. So, uh, Vegas. Well, we'll save the Vegas one because that's that might be the series of the first round. Let's go to Dallas and Nashville. I have uh, Dallas in six. You know, it's kind of funny. Eh? Uh, can the Dallas defensive structure that they put in play this year overcome uh, a Nashville team? And I think they do. I got Dallas in seven. Yeah, I like. I just like Bishop. You like- know, it, there's some some things to prove for that Nashville team, and I'm not sure they're. You know, they've they've struggled uh, just like the Jets for all intents and purposes down the stretch, right? And so, so from that perspective, I'm not. Uh, Super excited. Okay. Calgary and Colorado. I have the Flames in five. Hmm. It's, that's, you know, I can't help but think that the Flames dispose of Colorado early as well. So I, I will echo that, that same prediction. Flames in five. Right. And the final series, and, and frankly, I think this might be the series of the first round. You know, um, Two dynamic hockey teams uh, that, you know, Vegas with the changes since the, the trade deadline, they've, they've turned to switch certainly. And, and, um, and the Sharks have, I wouldn't say coast down the last little bit, but that team is, is very deep and very strong. So, you know, it's unfortunate. It's no different than maybe some of the other, you know, the Boston-Toronto series where you've got two of the top teams in the league facing off in the first round and uh, would support a new playoff format. But uh, <laughs> I've got I've got Vegas winning this series in seven. I have Vegas in six. I think history repeats. Um, uh, San Jose, they just, they didn't end the season well. I mean, you know, we were... 
a lot of angst in Winnipeg about our play down the stretch, but can you imagine an, an elite team like, uh, like like San Jose losing seven games in a row with a couple weeks left in the season? That is mind-boggling. Uh, quite shocking, actually. So It is. I think what we'll do, Daryl, is uh, we'll just leave that first-round stuff just like that. We'll revisit it when the second round starts and see how we did, and we'll finish off our Absolutely. bracket. We'll finish off our bracket that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's fun. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night's game, uh, and I'm sure Winnipeg Jets Nation. I think this first game is, you know, it's important to see if that switch was flipped. Uh, see how they come out. Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be an interesting game. I'm looking forward to it, uh, Daryl. I'm just gonna just let our listeners know that uh, once again, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You can catch us on Anchor FM. You can catch us at Winnipeg.com. You know, blah blah blah. The same old, same old. Um, I want to thank you once again for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me for the podcast, and uh, I'm looking forward to some hockey tomorrow night. How about you? I'm starting to wrap up. Absolutely. Okay, man. Uh, until uh, next, uh, well, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk sometime between game, probably games three and four. So uh, we'll get back at her next uh, Sunday or Monday. Talk to you later, man. Take care.